Informed consent, getting to yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision. Welcome to Informed Consent, Getting to Yes. I'm Marguerite McDonald of Ophthalmic Consultants of Long Island in Lindbrook, New York, and this is the podcast where I question leading eye surgeons about how they get their patients to say yes to the treatments they recommend. What exactly are the fair and balanced words they use? Today's podcast is about lipiflow, which can be challenging to explain to patients. Talking with me about how they solve this problem are two leading eye doctors, Dr. Alan Carlson, professor of ophthalmology at Duke University School of Medicine in Durham, North Carolina, where he's a faculty member for the past 22 years. Thank you so much, Marguerite. It's great to, great to join you. And Dr. Casey Claypool, chief of optometric services at Empire Eye Physicians in Spokane, Washington. Thank you for having me, Marguerite. Before we discuss lipiflow specifically, I'd like for each of you to tell me about your practice. Ellen, what are you doing at Duke? It's, it's an academic uh, practice that involves a lot of teaching, that involves a lot of the more complex uh, patients, um, you know, some of the tougher cases, uh, you know, rather than, say, the straight cataracts, I typically do the, the, the cataracts associated with severe uveitis in combination with the retinal uh, surgeons. It, it's largely a surgical practice, um, and uh, I remember... Uh, telling some of the folks at your science uh, 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 over a decade ago that even if this works, I wasn't sure I wanted to get involved in it because I pretty much saw myself as a surgeon uh, at least four days uh, out of the week, and I didn't see myself uh, becoming a dry-eyed doctor. Uh, but the reality is that you cannot be a busy surgeon without seeing dry eye patients and very likely potentially making them worse um, as you offer them surgery. So, um, you know, just like uh, I'm not a glaucoma specialist, but I don't want to miss glaucoma. I'm not a retina specialist, but I don't want to miss treatable retinal problems. And now dry eye has uh, uh, become a, 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 a greater uh, recognized issue with surgical patients. So I'm more proactive rather than reactive in treating the dry eye patient. What about you, Casey? So I'm in a mostly surgical practice. There are three ophthalmologists and two optometrists. Uh, when I first joined the practice six years ago, we had two ophthalmologists, Mark Contos and Chris Durbaum, uh, and then I came on board. We do primarily anterior segment with uh, retina now with our retinal surgeon. And we do a high volume of uh, referred patients uh, from our co-managed optometrists uh, and several ophthalmologists that send us patients as well. Uh, and we, we see a, a lot of disease, a lot of dry eye, and, and uh, a lot of happy patients afterward. It's, it's a fun job. Each of you got involved with Lipiflow pretty early, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I was uh, working with the company years before it became uh, FDA-approved. Uh, they're just... They're not too far from us. So I've actually spent quite a bit of time at the facility uh, working closely uh, early on, and uh, uh, they're very responsive to the recommendations that uh, I, I had to offer uh, at that time. When I was first hired, Mark and Chris, we talked about launching a dry clinic and a dry center of excellence. 
and I was tasked with the responsibility to find a platform to best help treat patients. Uh, we, we knew we had plenty of patients, and we created a lot of dry eye with our surgeries, but we also had a lot of patients just coming to see us wanting more options to treat the dry eye. So we investigated, looked at the different options, and uh, and decided to purchase uh, the LipaView and the LipaFlow system back, uh, yeah, almost about four and a half years ago now. What is your approach? Do you Would you ever propose it to someone who's asymptomatic? Do you reserve it just for your more severe patients? Do you introduce it early and to people who are completely, you know, without complaints, but in whom you have detected dry eye, ocular surface disease, blepharitis via your exam or terosmolarity or inflammatory or however. So when do you introduce Lipoclow? Yeah, it's a great question. We, we screen heavily all of our patients, whether it be with questionnaires or imaging. Our technicians know to image. We love the mybography uh, with, with Lipiscan and the other platforms out there, but we, we love mybography to image patients. Uh, actually, all of our LASIK patients and nearly all of our cataract patients uh, receive imaging prior to their surgical consult. Uh, and we find that really helps in aiding the discussion with the patients. Uh, we, I, I do introduce it to many asymptomatic patients to let them know what's going on. But it's amazing, you know, Marguerite, and I'm sure you see this too, how many of these patients we think are asymptomatic, but they're not. Once you start to ask them the right questions, the symptoms come tumbling out. Uh, and that it happens in about 90% of the patients that we think were asymptomatic, there actually is a symptom. Well, you know, somebody said to me, uh, well, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't offer expensive lipoflow to somebody that wasn't symptomatic, would you? And I said, of course I would. In the same way that I would offer glaucoma treatment to the asymptomatic but progressing glaucoma patient, um, there is no single chronic progressive disease that isn't more readily, effectively, and efficiently treated earlier in the course of progression. And dry eye is no different. And one of the big mistakes we make in treating dry eye is that we we focus on symptoms. In other words, if somebody with 8 out of 10 dry eye or meibomian gland disease or ocular rosacea comes in, but they tend to be fairly stoic and have, you know, one or two out of ten symptoms, they tend to get one or two out of ten treatment. Similarly, if somebody comes in with one or two plus uh, dry eye disease, but uh, you know eight or ten, uh, nine plus, not nine out of ten uh, symptoms, we treat based on symptoms, and that's a mistake. We really need to treat early before we see gland dropout, architectural changes. Uh, anterior migration of the mucocutaneous junction or the line of marks as it becomes more irregular uh, and thickened, uh, staining with lysamine green. So, yes, I, I bring this up very early. Just Saturday I was talking with some uh, fellow optometry friends of mine about a recent LASIK consult we had who the patient was asymptomatic in her contact lenses, yet I looked at her glands, as we always do, and she lost over half of her glands already. And we, I began to ask her some more questions, and sure enough, she had what she called normal end-of-day dryness with her contact lenses. And again, once we started to tease out symptoms, we found much more there. And then, of course, we treated her, and uh, and she did a little flow and did, did fantastic with it. And the other thing, too, is having such a busy surgical practice, not only bringing this up, but documenting it prior to surgery. This way, you're setting an expectation. They could, they could choose not to have 
this prior to surgery, and they can have their LASIK, they can have their cataract surgery, they can have their corneal surgery. If they come back and they have dry eye, possibly even made worse by the surgery, by the LASIK, by the irrigation of cataract surgery, by the, the both up drops, all those things can make them more aware of their dry eye. But you've documented that, and you've set an expectation. If you have that discussion after surgery, even if it's documented, but you didn't bring it up to the patient, they may process that as more of a complication rather than something they could have expected. I couldn't agree with you more. I bring it up to asymptomatic patients all the time if they meet my criteria. And, you know, I say to them, you know, this is a problem we have in medicine because, exactly right, you know, the, the person with high blood pressure doesn't feel a thing till the stroke. You know, the person with high cholesterol doesn't feel a thing until the heart attack, etc. And um, it's been documented that half of people with ocular surface disease, clinically significant ocular surface disease, have no symptoms. I definitely never want patients to feel like I'm selling them something. And I, I believe our patients feel that. They feel that we're presenting them with information. But we just say, hey, look, this is what you have going on. This shows what your disease is, and this, these are the best ways to treat it. You know, I so agree with you about the importance of my biography. You can say, you know, you have advanced meibomian gland disease and dry eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they listen to your little speech. But you show them a normal meibography picture, and then you show them their picture, and it's like a brick in the face. Their jaw drops, and then they're much more receptive to anything that you propose. Would you agree? Completely, completely. And many will ask our technicians and say, how can I treat this? How can I fix this? <laughs> exactly right. So, which brings me to the next thing, Casey. Pretend I'm Mrs. Smith, and I'm sitting in front of you, and, you know, your office is full, and there's some people waiting to see you, but you want to tell me about Lipiflow quickly, in a well-balanced way, but to get me to say yes. So, Mrs. Smith, we see you have these symptoms, and as you can see from this picture, your glands are, are blocked, and these glands are designed to produce an oil that lubricates the eye. And then I may tie in some of the symptoms they have here at that point. But then I say, so you have these, this condition, and if we leave this alone, these glands will continue to die off. Just like with anything in the body, if we don't use it, we lose it. So my goal is to try and unclog these glands so we can save what you have and get the ones you have working to work better. The best way to treat it is a treatment called Lipiflow uh, that will unclog your glands. It's an in-office treatment, uh, very safe, very effective. We've done it for years. Uh, and this is the best way to treat your disease. And then at this point, I will kind of gauge their, their receptive nature off of the cost too. So I'll, I'll throw in often the cost and say, this costs about $1,000 for both eyes. And it's not covered by your insurance. And then I can kind of gauge the response. You know, there's some patients that just can't afford it. And so then I may say, hey, look, this is the best way to treat this. And then we'll, we'll, we'll go in and say, if and when you can do this, let's do it. But here's some of the things we can try, your hot compresses, uh, your fish oil supplements, and so on. Because I'm a big believer, of course, in all that. Um, but it's, you can kind of gauge, I'm sure you've seen these too, some of the patients you just know can't do it. So I still present it to them to let them know this is the best way to treat your disease because we never want to make that cost decision for the patient. Uh, but then I will, on 95% of those patients, I'll continue and say it's not covered by your insurance. And, and then I'll start to explain just briefly how the treatment works. Um, 
I'll say something to the effect of, we, we place this device on your eyelid, it's just there for a few minutes, and it will unclog the glands. It heats them up, massages them, uh, fills more yes, therapy on the eyelids, and that will remove the obstruction so your glands can work better. And then I just kind of leave it at that. And then kind of see, see what questions they may have, and of course we may discuss it, it further, but I, I'll try and address especially the preventative nature of the disease. What I like to do is I, I, I'll, I'll try to find out how symptomatic they are. Very commonly, the technician won't even document that. They're there for cataract surgery. They're there for their DMET triple for fuchs dystrophy. But yet, you look at it, you see the irregular lid margin. You see, you know, you see some maybe ocular rosacea. You ask them, you know, how they're you know, how they're doing, and they want to talk about their vision. Well, what about your, your eyes? And as you, as you talk about this to them, they'll almost always bring up symptoms that they have attributed to, say, just getting older. You know, they're really there for something else in their vision. They've noticed that. But these other symptoms, they just associate with getting older. And so when you talk to them about being able to help those, and not only help those, but make them better prepared for their upcoming surgery. That's a that's a really good discussion. And then they may bring up, well, why haven't I heard about this before? Well, and then we, we go into that discussion that uh, you know not everybody is attuned to looking for this. And at that point, I may show them their meibomian glands, uh, yeah, their meibomian gland imaging. Uh, I may ask them about previous. Chalazia, if they've got irregular lead contour, those things uh, come up fairly commonly. And then I show them a very short video, it's about 45 seconds, of an actual patient undergoing lipoflow close up with high resolution, showing that 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 third two-minute segment where the glands are really being ratcheted with. Um, uh, vector thermal pulsation, and uh, they get pretty, pretty, you know, excited about it. And uh, and then, uh, you know, as we pursue that, we document that discussion, and we determine if they want to do it that day. Do you find that when you propose it to them, and it's an out-of-pocket expense, it's not insignificant, um, and then after that, you're talking about you know, a premium channel surgery, femto, multifocal, EDOF, whatever. Do you think, do you ever get pushback like, hey, how much out of pocket can I spend? How do you deal with that kind of thing? You know, it, it, it's, it's sometimes the case. I mean, if we do preoperative lipoflow, we do femtosecond laser, and we do a, you know, multifocal or accommodative lens, for both eyes, it's $8,800 out of pocket. And I've got, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that the acceptance is so high because these patients nowadays, they, they feel that, well, you know, this is their eyes. They're having surgery earlier with higher expectation. Uh, a lot of these are my post-refractive patients from 18 to 20 years ago, things like that. Uh, so they've already got that confidence. And, um, you, know, they, they, you know, they just want the best. Now, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I just want what insurance covers, then we're going to do that. But I'm also not going to ignore the glands. I'm going to work on those glands, um, and I'm going to get I'm going to get get those glands uh, addressed somehow, even if it's not with lipoflow, even if I've got to do manual expression. And I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, 
but I'm, I'm, I'm honoring the financial situation here. I mean, if you'll let me, I'm going to work on your eyelids and do some, you know, Gary Fouts-style manual expression and try and get those glands open and functioning again. I like to discuss cost with the patient so they aren't surprised later. Uh, at the same time, I hate discussing cost with the patient, and I want to remove myself from that. Uh, so I do present it just so they know. And we do the same, a similar thing with most of our premium lens patients as well. We found that to be the most successful in our demographic, in our market. Spokane's primarily a blue-collar uh, working environment. Uh, but we, we found that helps coming from the doctor so the patient knows what they're getting into uh, financially ahead of time. As far as good to hear. the good to actual hear. treatment, though, do you put the activators in and leave a technician behind? Do you stay there the whole 12 minutes? Yes, yeah, so we will, I will, the doctor will debreed um, prior with a spud, but then the technician, we have our technicians insert and sit with the patient and remove. And we found that that, that helps with chair time. It's fantastic for continuing to see patients, uh, helps with the, the, the profit margin for sure. And the patients are very receptive to that. They want to know the doctor's involved. So we're there at the very initial outset. Um, but the, the, the having the technician there, we've done that that way for about three years. I'm actually, I'm actually doing the lid preparation. I'm doing the, the lid examination, listening green if needed. You know, I'm inserting the, uh, the, the activators and all that. Now, I do leave a technician with them during that 12-minute procedure, and they know where I am if there's any, any type of issue because uh, we don't want one of the lids to, to pop out or anything like that. Uh, and we like to have the patient feel like there's somebody in the room, with, especially if you're doing both eyes at the same time. Uh, usually a relative is also in there with them as well. You know, even the patients volunteer, oh, this is like a spa-like treatment for my eyelids. When they say that, you know you've created that, that uh, right response, uh, that atmosphere for the patient. You know, I, I do something similar. Um, after the uh, American Academy of Ophthalmology in November, where I ran into a bunch of people who operate a dry eye center of excellence, and many of them had started to do blefex before the lipiflow. So, you know, micro blepharo exfoliation, and I, I almost never do them separately now. It's a one-two punch. You, you take that high-speed rotating sponge, 2,500 RPM, in the professional to the trade only eyelid cleanser and you clean off those lids patients like it it feels good those orifices are open you've gotten all the biofilm off and then immediately after that you do the lipoflow i put in the activators and i leave and the technician takes them out so blefax 10 minutes lipoflow 12 minutes way less than half an hour uh, and i and i'm not the one in there for the 12 minute lipoflow so it's time efficient for me well, we're about out of time for this episode. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank you again for having me, Marguerite. Thank you so much. Before we go, does anyone have anything to add? I, for one, am very passionate about this condition because I was contact lens intolerant uh, and frustrated that as an eye doctor, even though I was doing what I knew to, to treat myself years ago, <laughs> it, it still wasn't enough. And that's partly why I'm so passionate about this condition is when I, I was one of my first patients when we purchased this technology and it was just life-changing for me. I think it's important that we as doctors remember these patients are out there and would I have investigated this if I was a real patient and taken the time to research it and pay for it and so on? Probably not, but once, we, once I knew as an eye doctor the importance of it, then I did. And so I think it's important as doctors we 
we realize that we are the gatekeepers for the eye, and we need to educate patients on their conditions, uh, even though they may not be a, that might not be their primary complaint. It's amazing how many of these dry patients are out there that need education, uh, and and that's why I that's one of my goals is to help help doctors understand the the this, this shift in paradigm of prevention and, and educating patients on their MGD. Thanks for that, Casey. I get lipoflow done routinely also. And when you can share that with the patient, it makes a huge difference. And I hope we're making a difference for our listeners and their patients as well. Thanks so much for listening. Informed Consent, Getting to Yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision.